And Mark, as always, he's Brian, Mark 2.0, and we welcome actor, producer, writer, Tom Malloy to the Mark 2.0 podcast. Welcome, Tom. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Sure. Now, what inspired you to become an actor, producer, and writer? Well, I mean, you know, I always wanted to be an actor from when I was a kid. It's so funny. I was just telling somebody today, I've been doing this since I was like 10 years old, you know, like uh, at that point I was playing Captain Hook in the fourth grade production of Peter Pan. Peter Pan was a girl. And, uh, but, you know, and speaking in front of crowds since then. But when it was like, I mean, there was a movie I did in 98 called Gravesend and it got some pop. We got Oliver Stone to put his name on it. It was like an improvised movie. It was my first movie. And because of that pop, like I'm getting these big auditions, but I was losing them out to like established stars. And I just didn't want to go into the whole waiter, bartender thing. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to uh, kind of make my own way. And I just learned every other aspect of the business. And initially, it was just a way to get myself other roles, you know, write good roles for myself, good supporting roles, cast bigger stars around me. But then I just started getting uh, getting good at it. <laughs> and so now I just produced my 22nd film uh, in in February. So, yeah. yeah sorry, let me close my... That's really cool, Mark. You know, I think it's just gone down the week actually talk to a lot of people and some of them just take that educational way strictly and but some people just want to learn everything like Tom here you know we made a lot of friends doing this and it's like uh people like you are just like um few and far apart with they really want to be involved in every single thing and they're, they're just like whatever you got just let me get in there yeah well I mean you know it's like when I, I remember when I started it was like you know early 2000 say 2003 2004 I um that I mean started doing every every other aspect and learning this stuff it I remember going up to an agent that I had at the time and I said you know I want to be an actor writer producer and she said you you got you can't do that you got to focus on one thing and I always joke that like I just did it anyway you know and I joke now that that same agent if she's still around guaranteed a client would come in and say I just want to be an actor and they'd be like you can't just focus on one thing you got to do all these other things so it completely is flipped so I kind of was doing that before. Now it's like, that's, it's what you have to do, you know? And um, it's, it was just kind of finding my own path, but now that that is the path, everybody's got to create their own content. It seems. Another excellent point. You're sitting there talking and it's formulating in my mind. That is what you have to do now. Things yeah. are so different now. People who did that then were trailblazers. So, yeah. uh, so nice. kudos to you. Definitely. So uh, did you, where'd you grow up by the way? I grew up in Jersey and uh, I was born and raised in Jersey. I was born in Red Bank and then grew up in like Hunterdon County, went to school in Montclair University. And then the first place I moved out of the after college was New York City. And so uh, the East Coast guy, but then I moved to Los Angeles like 2008 and uh, fell in love with that city. The best, my favorite city. Did you devote your college time to this, this thing or, or something else? Well, we were, I mean, it was like... Uh, or 90, 95 to 98. And so we, I was going to school in Montclair and it was outside New York City. And then that's when I did got this movie, Gravesend, I think started filming in 96. And I would take, I would go to school all day and then go to Brooklyn and we'd film all night. These crazy, I mean, stories. We'd go up to street corners and there'd be a gang of thugs and we'd like, you know, we'd be like, you guys want to shoot a fight scene? They'd be like, yeah, all right. You know, big fights. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and then I'd go back to college the next day, like just, you know, people thought I was partying all night, but I was just, you know, working on this movie. And so that that was just, you know, for me, it was just the the, first, the initial dedication of not refusing to give up because that movie was kind of like a John Cassavetes, you know, like marathon event to try to get through. But then again, when it was done, Oliver Stone put his name on it, it was in theaters, I was the second biggest role. And um, I do have a funny side quick story is that my son's watched like most of my movies that I've done and been in and he went back and saw Gravesend and he said that was his favorite of all of them. <laughs> it's just very oh, funny. Oh, and obviously nice. he's done much bigger movies, but that was like a yeah. street, like raw film. So yeah. Seriously, that is cool. So your parents must have been amazing people. Um, where were they born? I mean, were they Jersey people? New York? No, they were in New York City. My dad in Manhattan and um, grew up in the Bronx and my mom in Syracuse. So they were mm-hmm. New York people. And then she lived in Manhattan a lot of her life. And uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he was he was a funny guy and uh, and and she was a singer, but they were both they didn't have the um, the kind of obsession maybe that I did to never give up, you know, and I think that was great. So, But they were always supportive of me, you know, so it's it's tough to, it, to kind of go the extra mile to say no matter what's going to happen, 
I'm just going to keep at it. And then I just had that, I guess, you know, so. Well, maybe double support is what it takes these days. It's not easy mm -hmm. world, you know, I mean, uh, bless anyone who, who tries and has to give up, you know, especially for their kid, it's a good reason to give up, you know? So, you know, you got to put meat <laughs> on the table, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like we, I was, I've been, I've said to people before, it's like, we all have the same 24 hours in a day because it's like time is a factor. And, you know, so many people be like, you know, I'll be like, why don't you write that screenplay? And they'll be like, I don't have the time, but I will say that we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And if you want it bad enough, you will wake up a half hour earlier and do so, you know, before the kid wakes up or you'll stay up a half hour later and then just dedicate even just that little time every day to doing something to push your career forward uh, it could ultimately pay huge dividends in the long run. Absolutely. Uh, a good, great life lesson. Something that I wish I had learned earlier in life. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, Same one here. of the great things in the movie business is that it's not it's not really time sensitive. I mean, I you know, it, it really any any of it. I mean, it's like it, it, you don't have to be because even if you're an actor, you can be 80 years old and be like, I'm going to be an actor. There are roles for 80 year old people, you know, that, that, that they need those roles filled. So it's. Uh, and the same with the writing and producing. So it's, it's a really cool business that I don't think it's ageist as other as a lot of other people oh, are. We have Not met the all. coolest older guys. You would yeah. love some of the guys we've met. Oh, well, you've met right. a lot of, while well, you were yeah. already talking about Oliver Stone. Who else did yeah. you uh, work with? Oh, you know, it's like, so for me, it's fun to say the people that, like, I obviously I know some big celebrity people that, you know, that are friends and then I've worked in movies. And those, it, it's funny, I'm usually a little bit more competitive with those people and, and more and less in awe. And the ones that were the older people that I just love, um, you know, two come to mind that I love, enjoyed working with and became friends with was um, Larry Hankin, who if you look him up, he's been in 200 movies, you know, and so like those are the guys that I love that's been in every movie. Ever. Oh, yeah. Um, and Ray Wise is another one that we, he played my dad in a film, Um you know, but so the, Ray Wise from Twin Peaks, and as soon as you see him, you, wow. these are guys that you look up and you go, "Oh man!" Like those. So the key is, and and Catherine Mary Stewart, get another person. I think we've done five movies together, and you know, those people like that that I just love every time they're working, and uh, you know, the ones that are the bigger celebrities, the the ones that work that are big stars. I'm usually more like, "Yeah, let's bring it. Let's see who's better." <laughs> <laughs> like the Betty Whites. Yeah. Well, no. Oh, of course, Betty. Oh my God. Well, that's different. Now, that, yeah. I, Forget her. Yes, she's incredible, and she was another one that I would. Yeah, I'd pick that over working with Tom Cruise. How are I, you able to get those in your? Yeah. Those are those were your movies that they were in, right? Betty White yeah. and Joyce DeWitt. How are you able to book them? Was that you <laughs> or I forget about Joyce DeWitt too? It's been a lot of people. I mean, it's like Love and Dancing had uh, Billy Zane and Amy Smart and Rachel Dratch from SNL and uh, Caroline Rea and uh, and Betty White. You know, and it's like, and then but other films like. Alphabet Killer had, you know, gosh, which, um, uh, you know, uh, but Tim Hutton and Carrie Elways, Elijah Dishku and, and uh, um, Michael Ironside and Martin Donovan, I, like Melissa Leo and all these people. So the key is how is the question is two things is one is great scripts, like scripts that have really good characters that everybody loves. And uh, the second thing would be good directors. Um, you know, that that they want the actor goes, oh, that director is going to make me look good. So I, th I think those are two things that really come down to it. But uh, I mean, I always say that actors want to work. Doesn't matter how big they are. They want good scripts and they want to work. They want to do projects that are exciting to them. So great point. Yeah. What about so Hero of the Other World? I wanted to talk about that. Uh, you won multiple awards for that. What was it like playing that role? It was really cool. You know, it's it was we did that as a smaller film. And what was cool is that I had had uh, years ago, gosh, oof, turn of the century, I was the overnight manager for the Paramount Hotel in New York City. Like when it was a job that yeah. I fell into thinking some craziness that I could work all night so it would free me up during the day for auditions, but all yeah. it made me ridiculously tired all the time. And I just couldn't, I was just kind of walking zombie. And that only lasted for a couple months, but that was, it was such a hot hotel right in Times Square. And it was there was so much going on. And I remember seeing a filmmaker friend um, down by this place called Film Video Arts that was a huge, really cool mecca in New York City where all young filmmakers used to go, Darren Aronofsky, like all these people used to be there and hang out. It was it was uh, state funded or something. And uh, this one guy used to work there and I, he was a filmmaker and I told him how much hell it was. He goes, no, but you get good stories. And so I took one story that happened there and just kind of made mm -hmm. it into a film. And so, you know, nice. I was able to kind of bring it into a little world there. 
So thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No, you played it really well because I've worked overnights before. You know, I once worked as a manager at uh, Walgreens in uh, Burbank, California, you know, and uh, it's, it's grueling. It really is. You know what I mean? You played it perfectly. And Catherine was uh, in a scene in there too. Talk about that scene. And I love her and she's so great. And, you know, Weekend at Bernie's and and the first movie we did was called The Attic, which was me and her and Elizabeth Moss and Alexander Daddario. I think that was her first movie, John Savage. And so uh, Kathy in that movie, I think, I'm not sure if, yeah, she'd also done Love and Dance with me, played roles here. I was always pointing her name because I just thought she's so great. And uh, in that, I sent it to her and she wrote back like an email like right away or called me I don't remember but either way she was like I'm yes I'm in and she said I get to say fuck in, in a movie she was so <laughs> happy because it's like you know she was just getting these hallmarky like delightful roles and she was just so happy to play an asshole for once and so yeah <laughs> she it was, was so a genius scene yeah it was such a genius scene you got you got to explain it to the listeners I mean, yeah. it's that's it's great. It's so I'm, I enjoy that you're getting this specific about that, but that's super cool. It's it's really fun. But good, but this scene legit happened in real life. That is taken from wow. An, okay, I was there, and these guys come up and they're like, uh, "Is our room ready?" And somebody, some manager that I hated, and that was exactly in there. Like I in the film, I just we did not get along, and he um had like booked the room to somebody else, and there was like nothing we could do, and so we had to go in and take this woman's clothes and move her clothes to another room. And she freaking flipped out. I mean, like her hands are shaking and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, it was so crazy. And so we had to tell her it was a water leak. (laughs) (laughs) How genius is that? (laughs) I mean, because then you go from like, you know, to relieve that. I think it, it didn't work as well as it worked in the movie. I think she kind of was a little bit appeased, but you know, the key was, Okay, for her, that was the mortal sin was touching her clothes and stuff like that. Um, you know, but we were comping her like the rest of her stay. But a lot of times, these people, if you comped her room, they didn't give a shit because their company was paying for it. It's like, oh, comp your room. You know, they don't care. So, um, yeah, that was a tough, tough uh, situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, but that's. Dave Jarrett was in there too from Real Genius. When the military runs short on brains, they go hunting at Pacific Tech. Gabe is one of my best friends, and I just ah, saw him two nights ago. And one of my best friends, and uh, we—he's we've done a lot of films together. And I believe I'm trying to tell you, there's a picture up there that that, um, that we did the first time we worked together was a TV pilot called The Fuzz. That was mm. um, that you could make an argument that Brooklyn '99 stole our concept and did it, but it's you know okay. we thought about it for a while because there was some mutual. Gabe was one of the people in there. And, uh, but we had had the same publicist. That's right. Before even that, that's how I met him. But I was a fan of Real Genius since I was a kid, you know, and I, we oh, had so was movie. I. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's one of the best movies of the 80s. And we I must were... have saw it 50 times. Oh, it's, it's so throughout the years. So Easy. Every once in a while, I still have to watch it. Yeah. You know, it's funny is because I recently became friends with Dean Devlin and he was in, he was in Real Genius. <laughs> and the last time I saw him, I'm like, you know, Gabe is like one of my best friends. And he was like, no way. Like, you know, and so, uh, <laughs> you know, because Dean Devlin's now gone on to be a huge, huge producer. And, but he was a supporting role in Real Genius. But anyway, uh, Gabe and I, you know, I always try to bring him in because he, he's a, an actor that was, I mean, he was 14 in Real Genius. So he's done it his whole life. So uh, he's a real wild and fun guy outside. And, and it, I always enjoy laughing and he makes me look low energy and, and quiet, which is super fun. But on set, it's wow. like you, you got nobody that will hit their mark and get their lines, you know, more perfect because he's been doing it for so long. But he's also like, you know, people think only real genius because he was the lead role, but he was also in Frost Nixon and Apollo 13. And I believe he won the SAG award because SAG award goes to the whole cast for for both of those movies so um but i know at least oh, yeah. so yeah yeah we got to talk to him too yeah we do you can yeah. have him on any time i'll get he, i'm sure he'd yeah i would love to oh, try but, but, you know yeah huge favorite us we'd really appreciate that awesome. well you know uh you have a company too right uh couple trick candle yeah wow well, I have, well, yeah let's I start with candle. Trick candle. yeah that's the production company and um you know, the key, uh, the analogy that, that what's because people go, what's that mean? But it, what it is, is that those birthday candles where you blow out the flame oh, and it yes. comes back and then you can blow it out and it comes back. So it's like a, you know, metaphor for persistence that you can't, you can't blow out the passion, blow out the flame. And so that's- I like it a lot. Thanks. Once I explain it to people, they go, oh, it's so cool. Hell you know, yeah. but, um, 
so yeah, I mean, I've been doing that that banner for a while, and and I mean, gosh, some movies I could have probably pressed harder to get like somebody on there, and uh, I I probably didn't early on in my career, but um, you know, no, we so we're always looking. I mean, again, we just produced my twenty second film, and so I'm always uh, got multiple projects going to try to push films forward because now it's uh, it's just part of my life in the process, I guess. My goodness, twenty two. <laughs> That's impressive. That is insane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what are you what are your goals right now? I mean, you've got so many things moving at once. I mean, how do you do that too? Well, I got the two other the two other companies I have is is filmmaking stuff, which is an online platform teaches filmmaking, teaches really film financing and uh, producing, and then sales and distribution. And so we have, we love our members there. People, it's a membership site. I mean, there's a free site too, where people can go and learn all this stuff about filmmaking, but then they want to get real serious. They can sign up as a member. And uh, so we're always putting more stuff into that new modules, new classes and th things like that. So filmmaking stuff is great. But uh, wow. the other main thing is Glasshouse Distribution, which is a, a film sales company. I started in 2015. And now we have like seven people in the company. And uh, we have 140 something films in the catalog that we license, and then we go to all the markets and sell them. So uh, this year was we went to Berlin, and then MIP TV had a presence, and then uh, Cannes we go in 12 days, yeah, the 14th, so 12 days, and then Toronto MIPCOM AFM. So we go to all these markets, and we sell to foreign buyers. So we're always signing movies, nice. and um, and it's it's a really fun business. It's, it's really like going to trade shows and selling your your stuff. So yeah, and I mean, so now I understand the distribution pipeline wow. so much more when I make a movie, you know, which is great. This is fascinating. Unreal. This is a whole business thing I never knew could even really exist. I mean, you got yeah. your team and everything, you know. So you're like supporting people. This is like you're you're supporting family. Big time. This is a lot of uh, a lot of uh, responsibility. Yes. A lot of people right? do rely Jeez. on me. Yes. It's yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. <laughs> well, people go, oh, I have a company. I have a company. Yeah, and that's you. But once you start having, you know, a team with families and stuff like that, it's like serious business. So. It is. Yeah. And, and you know, especially ones like I love, like the, the first two that uh, Rob uh, Deej was the first employee and I think David was the third and uh but the second is not working with us anymore but uh these are all like they're friends too I mean I just love them as people and so you know always trying to help them out but they and I think if you have that good bond uh they all they try to help you out too you know so but it, you know at the same time it's like I used to have a rule you can't hire a friend unless the talent exceeds the friendship because that burned me early on, you know, just like giving <laughs> friends jobs. And then, and so uh, in those cases, the the talent uh, at least equals the friendship. So which is good. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you're definitely smart. I hear so many things, you know, that you're saying like, that's a good example of, uh, you know, that's almost a life lesson there. You know, that sounds like trial and error that you've gone through and uh, tried and true things, you know. Oh gosh, yeah. You can't be afraid to make mistakes. I've made so many, and, and still, I make. You know, it's like there's things that you, you try one thing. I've always said, um, my my theory is my aunt theory. I use it all the time, which is like, or I don't like. I don't think about. It, I just do it, and which is, um, you know, you know, Brian Regan is great. One of the best stand-up comics there is of all time. But uh, anyway, side note, he had a joke when he said when he was a uh, kid, he would just watch these ants building an anthill and working hard and then every once in a while he'd just take his hand and he'd be like rebuild and just knock it down he goes and there was never a moment where the ants were like oh come on like we worked on you like we've been working on it they just went immediately and started working again and that's me it's like you know times like some project fell apart or this guy screwed me over this guy and it's just there's no moment where i'm like oh i'm gonna sleep on the couch for two weeks you know, and something. i just immediately all right what's next you know like that my response to, to that crap is to go I'll, what else can I do now? Like, let's get another project going. Let's do other things. And like, how can I fix it and do more stuff in a different way? And, and so it's always the ant, you know, you just don't react. You just keep going forward and, and pushing. So, you know. Yeah. And, and the world shifted pretty hard lately. How did it shift you in the process? What, you know, what were some big uh, changes that, that had to be made? Well, two things. Like, I one, I'll just say Glasshouse went up, thankfully. Like, right in the pandemic. Like, as soon as the pandemic started, we were like, what the hell is going on? For like a month and then suddenly people just started watching movies and then buyers started buying more and so that was one of our best years plus we didn't have to go to physical markets because they always you know like can is expensive oh, good point. Yeah. Can. 
And so it was all virtual. So it was all this. Like we were taking meetings like 12, 14 a day during the virtual markets on Zoom. But it's free. You know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no cost to that. So our that was one of our best revenue years uh, that we did. Um, but the other flip side of that is that I kind of live in a plane, man. I mean, I go <laughs> right now my place, I have a place in New York and I would go back to LA and I had a place there and back and forth maybe 20 times a year on top of France two, three times a year for the, the festivals, Berlin, um, you know, Toronto, everywhere. But, and, and then random ones that I'd go to like Korea or something. And that ended. I mean, if I don't go, if I go more than two weeks without being on a plane, I start freaking out. Like, wow. it's so weird. Wow. And it's Unreal. like, imagine that suddenly it was like a nine month period of no flights anywhere. That was weird. That was weird for yeah. me. Like, yeah. A plane is, I feel most like, I'd say film set, I feel most at home, but plane is like the number two place I feel most at home. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, that's wow. Yeah. That is fascinating. I always said if I could start traveling and seeing the world, I would see how long I could go without stopping. But it sounds yeah. like you would never stop. No. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would be on a plane every day. You know, it's like, barring the, the all the crap of, you know, delays and then people coughing on your face, you know, all that, and then oh, those yeah. things. I just like, find a lot of peace on an airplane for some reason, you know, so. Mm. <laughs> Wow. That is interesting. Wow. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Now, what about filming? Because are are most of your films filmed in Rochester or are they all over the place? I mean, all over, really. I mean, okay. I did a film last year in Scotland. That was the first nice. one I did out of the country. Okay. And then the other one, I think I did three last year. The other one was in Austin, Texas. And then another one was in Nashville. So you did your first film out of the country ever just last year just last year yeah wow. well, no, as far as producing that- as far as producing oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. and then uh and the uh this year was nashville again i have a filmmaker that we have kind of a partnership to do more films with in nashville and then um the other one was in uh cincinnati slash kentucky and so that oh, was nice. you know, so it's okay. like really everywhere you know I, the last film i did in rochester was 2021 and that was the first film i directed i think it was like my ah, okay. 17th or 18th film produced but it was the first film i directed uh and it was a comedy and i it was fun for me because as a producer actor writer i never branded myself but as a director i decided i'm only doing comedies so like that was my first one is like i'm not looking for anything else except comedies to direct so uh, nice yeah Fascinating, fascinating. So you've spoken to over a hundred thousand students as a motivational, right? Years ago, I mean, like I probably ended that in maybe twenty eleven or twenty twelve. But ah. for that period, I did it. Give, yeah, give, give us a quick rundown of how that started and, and ended. I it's funny. I saw how did it go? I, I we went to a thing. I had to produce this documentary. It was like this is early, early, early on my career. I think it was the, one of the first things I ever produced about a bowler that was had recovered and they, you know, was, was basically, if you've seen Kingpin, it was like almost a real story of Kingpin. I took bowling oh. very seriously <laughs> as a kid. I was oh, on leagues and everything. Oh yeah. Wow. I would totally love this. Yes. Oh, uh, this yeah, guy was on. probably the best of all time, but like it just ruined his life with drugs and alcohol and the mob, like, you know, John Gotti used to bet on his games and stuff, but like, one night his sister found like 90 vials of crack that he had done, you know, and it like lived homeless on the streets. It was this crazy story, but then like come back and won like one of the best bowling titles. Like, so he was probably the best ever, but you know, just couldn't get his head straight. So he was speaking at the school and I was with him and I saw the guy that was booking these speeches and he was, he was looking at Bob to, to kind of speak. And Bob's speech was like every other speech that I grew up with that we all grew up with in high school and all, or grade school where it was like the burnout who's like basically says don't do this and you know it but then doesn't really look that bad you know what i mean it has some success to come out of it which i don't think is the best message and yeah. i was never um i never a druggie or anything like that i was that was i mean i drink i'm irish because that's you know it's part of it it's part of my blood but it's <laughs> like, you know but the, the key is it was like a almost like a it wasn't even about anti-drugs it was just more like a do what i did thing you know and so uh it, I just started speaking at schools and it was more like a success in being how a powerful person, you know, like inside confidence. And it kind of turned into like an anti-bullying thing, you know? And yeah, that was the, the, the fun thing. So it was like a do what I did speech instead of like, don't do what I did. And uh, the, the kids loved it. It was a real like comedy show type speech, like a one man show. And I would just, I loved the more rowdy crowds. I would just go right at them. And uh, it was, a, I mean, that's a fun kind of, um, interesting thing because it's like say you go to a comedy club you're doing your comedy act everybody's there like you know make me laugh 
And these kids <laughs> in the audience are like, you know, like, like that's how it starts, you know. Sure. So uh, when you can win that crowd, you got something, you know. So that was awesome. <laughs> oh, you're right. Unreal. That is seriously cool. And so what are your some of your favorite uh, like films and TV shows? I mean, what, what what made you do all this? What do you think did all this to you? Why, why all this? The, wow, that's a good one. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I just loved making people laugh and and just having fun and and just expressing myself i suppose that was a thing early on you know um and didn't lack the confidence to do it like I, when i said i you know the, i brought up peter pan in fourth grade i also did something i used to speak because my mom was very religious and i'm I'm not now but i was you know Same here. My mom was a kid. and i used to speak at churches i used to speak at churches because somewhere i read or somebody told me that was a great place to speak in front of crowd so I'd read like the the readings. Oh and, yeah, I remember you know, that. You know, and I would nail it. And and it was like to me that was never scary for me. Um, it, you know, it was like it was it was more like a challenge. And so that was why I did that. But you're talking about. I mean, there was kind of a multi-part question. I don't know if you want to know the shows that I watch or anything like that. That was the, the first part of the question. Was that did I answer or do you want me to say sort of? I mean, were you like uh, one of those sci-fi kids or uh, uh, comedy or adventure? What did you like? Yeah, I, I did love it all. Um, I, you know, I had a special um, kind of love for the Oscar movies. I used to be able to. Uh, it, I mean, I still probably can at least prior to 2000, you name the year and I'll tell you what won best picture. Like I, wow. I saw them all. I was a huge, I used to be able to do the whole list. And I, I was just really into those films, you know, like the On the Waterfronts and Best Years of Our Lives and like the old movies like that. And so um, that was a big thing for me, watching those, those old films and getting respect for movies that way. You know, that was that was huge. So Interesting. Why is that? You just had that much uh, respect for the industry itself. You figure these are the best movies. I, I want to watch them and figure out why. Yeah, these are great questions that I may never have asked myself. <laughs> you know, my you parents go. were... were it's in a, you know cinebuffs or whatever you call it. like they were into there movies like that my and dad so, was yeah. yeah and so that that was a thing i guess and then you know so i but then you start watching these movies and you you go wow these are great and then you see yeah you know, like i'd always try to catch movies even if i saw them i'd try to catch them in screenings just to kind of like for the respect of the movie see them in a theater like i remember saw all about eve in the theaters in new york city like it was playing and i'm like but i'd already seen it but it's like in the theater it was like god damn it and I've seen Casablanca in the theaters maybe six times, like, you know, so I oh. I'll always try to look for something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just makes it uh, just so much more exciting. There's something about that, you know, when the lights go down and that, that magic that happens. And uh, and now it's like I watch all kinds of stuff. There's there's really some good stuff on TV and there's some great shows, Succession and, you know, and uh, uh, things like that that are great shows. But I'm also a huge anime fan, if you can believe it. It's like... I uh, my initially started because my son was into it, and now he's 16, and it seems like he's not as into it anymore. But he got me into it, and now like I used to, I watch anime all the time. That exact same thing happened to me with this show called My Hero Academia, right, Mark? I watched the whole My, my Hero. Yeah, I, that, he was younger. Go one. Yeah, like, come on, we gotta go to the movie and get. With he's like, all right, all right, all right. Now he's getting a little older and fading away from it. I'm like, no, watch this with me. You got to watch it. Yeah. No, I mean, to me, it was, yeah, my hero was, is for a little bit younger. Um, it was one piece, which is like, that. that's the one that, you know, it's so good. It's yeah. so awesome. It's a yeah. thousand episode manga. Uh, you know, I mean, it's such strong IP that Netflix is making live action and they're spending 12 million an episode for it. Wow. It's like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Oh my, I'm palpitating. <laughs> wow. That yeah. is amazing yeah. to hear. That is going to be so oh, much yeah. fun. I hope they don't screw it up. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, because that <laughs> show is like, the best you know but i mean there's shows like attack on titan and, and things like that that are so good that it's like i mean i saw an article that was comparing how much better attack on titan was than game of thrones and it's like yeah i agree like it was it was it was on a different level but you know wow i'm gonna yeah. have to check that out wow that is great. That's, it's know, a super violent one and very serious just got, <laughs> like especially if your kid is like younger and why like it's my hero academia is like a fun one like yeah i wouldn't watch that with your kid if, if he's younger <laughs> <laughs> well he now is a teen so maybe oh, we my. can let it go we can maybe we can watch it you know <laughs> that is awesome sorry go ahead Tom. go ahead mark no i was gonna ask 
Uh, how did you come up with uh, some of your ideas for these films? Because you're choosing topics that are trending, you know, movies that are, look at something like Screamers. And and by the way, if we don't get a billion hits on YouTube on this uh, podcast episode, I'd be shocked. You know? <laughs> awesome, man. You know, it's like Screamers was so fun. And, um, you, you know, I just told this story about this the other day. And because I was talking about being open to like, signs almost or the energy of the universe and the, the fun quick story behind screamers was that i was taking my daughter she was only like 12 at the time to a uh, haunted hayride she might have even been like a 10 or 11 she lo always loved scared and roller coasters all that stuff and um she was like the kind of baby that you'd go boo and she'd go <gasps> and then go like you know like she just loved it. she loved being you love that feeling and so we were taking it so i maybe had a drama and a thriller and something in development, you know, trying to get these movies going. And I'm watching, we're waiting in line for the Haunted Day ride, and some guy comes up with a chainsaw with no chain, you know, and scares the person and they scream and then they laugh. And I had this like gust of energy come over me. And I remembered when we did Alphabet Killer and how great the fans were. And I just love being in that horror world. And the film festivals were so fun. And I went on Facebook and I just typed like, I just decided right now, make another horror movie. Who's in? And, you know, and whatever I'd say I get, you know, normally 200 likes on a thing. It was like 600 likes and, you know, 400 comments. It was way more than I ever get. And um, that was October 15th. Let's just say it was mid-October. By November 6th or 7th, I got the financing AFM and we were shooting by February. Now, mind you, when I did that post, I didn't even have an idea. Didn't even have an idea for a moment. I just felt the energy and I was like, something's telling me to make a harmony. Called my buddy Dean Ronald, who's a great director friend who ended up directing it. And we just came up, we spitballed an idea and just pushed it forward. And then the financers is there. And then we're shooting in February. And I love that movie. I mean, like, I don't think it got the support it should have. There was a couple critics. One critic was like, <laughs> the headline was Screamers needs to be seen immediately. <laughs> like, literally, oh, he thought oh, it was the greatest. And so we had a couple of people tell us the best found footage movie they ever seen. We, we wanted to take found footage to a whole new level. And uh, but I don't think I think if it if it if like Lionsgate or somebody had put it out to three thousand theaters, it would have been a monster hit. Um, but it just wasn't. Maybe it didn't get the the distribution that it should have. Let's say that. How does all the streaming stuff affect all your distribution now? All these streaming platforms and stuff. I mean, uh, it's a far broader spectrum for you to play around in, isn't it? It is, you know, and, it, and it's tough. It's like you, nobody quite knows all the answers, but, you know, having a distribution company helps, you know, we start to learn who the players are and who's strong and this and that. And, um, you know, we just did, I did that movie that I did in Nashville last year. Uh, it has done very well and it'll be, it's on S5. I mean, it's on TVOD right now, but we have a big, I, I actually I can't even say the deal, have a big deal. Uh, one of the major SVODs is coming up and they'll be playing it in August. And so, I mean, you just you, what those are all connections. Like actually, even Screamers. If I had had the distribution company when I did uh, Screamers, I would have been able to sell it much more, you know, and and do very well with it. Because, but so I mean, just knowing that aspect of the business makes you more powerful as a filmmaker. So, so like you've been building all these things up as you go, and now you're at the point where some. I mean, it looks like you're you're poised to do something really big. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got a big script with a huge producer that's, um, you know, had two Oscar-nominated films that are huge, huge. And so we, um, you know, we're trying to push that forward. And so if, as long as I can get that going, that'll be a big, big, big movie. So let's see. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. I was going to say, uh, what is the one subject you love to make a film that you have yet to do? Like... Uh, oh, these are big questions. Yeah. Like... Uh, uh, well, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I mean, it sounds like with 22 things in your belt, yeah. you've probably gone a little bit everywhere, but yeah, well, you know, and then some of those were opportunistic, like meaning they just came across my desk and it was like, oh, this is perfect timing and all that stuff. But I'd say the thing that I really want to do is make an action movie. This that studio movie that I'm talking about that I'm trying to get going is an action film, and I want to make an action film, I want to do that and see if we can do that uh, well. Um, I'd also like to make another comedy as a director. I have that script that's just like laugh out loud funny. And so I just got to try to get that financed. But um, but really, I think an action would be fun. Just to, just to, it's I guess the, the thing is not even it's a bigger studio movie. Like I have played in the sandbox of all different, you know, budgets from $50,000 little movies to $8 million. Like that's about the range that I've gone in. And um, I just know that I the 
we I have the tools and the talents to be in that hundred million dollar range. Just got uh, just got to get a couple things to fall into place. And so yeah. you know, again, that's something where I look at people that I know. Uh, you know, Chris McQuarrie was a friend of the family for years, and now he's you know directing monster, you know, the Mission Impossible franchise. And it's like you know, I look and I'm like, I, I can do that. Like that doesn't. There's nothing about that intimidates me at all. And um, it's just giving getting the right opportunity at the right time. Um, I'll be right there. So wow. That's so with all your you know, talents, what would be your keys to success, Tom? Well, being the ant, the kind of persistence is the key. Uh, it, you know, th this right here is my key to success. This is the, you know, my to-do list. <laughs> yeah, oh, every nice. day I'm a freak, a freak about the to-do list. <laughs> um, to the point where it, it, the joke is, uh, I used to do these like one-page things on a clipboard. Every day do to-do list and you get big stacks of paper and I'd put them away in the file cabinets and it was just taking up so much space. And then Staples made this like to-do list book and I used to buy them at Staples and then they went out of print. <laughs> And so I'm like, God, I mean, I searched everywhere trying to get them in China and all that. And so then I'm like, well, I have filmmaking stuff. Why don't I just make my own and sell them? And so now it's this to-do list journal for filmmakers and oh, it's the filmmakers the brand. So now I sell them. But it's Damn. like the joke is I sell them, but I made it only for me. Like, I mean, like if I was their number one and I am their number one customer, but if it's like, if I was your only customer, I wouldn't care. I could care less because it was like, I use this every day and, uh, you know, I try to focus everything every day. So I, you know, it's just, I try to work harder than the next guy, you know, the Alexander Karelin, the best, you know, wrestler of all time, uh, not professional wrestler, actual, you know, Greco-Roman wrestling says, uh, I, I like to work every day that, you know, cause they asked him how, why he was so good. And he says, I work every day, like everybody that no one else has even worked one day in their life. And so I try to do that. I mean, we'll see. I love your outlook, dude. That I is know. so cool. I like that you write things down. I still like have a pencil and paper and I make lists like that when I know my phone is right there. I yeah. just still yeah, can't make here. myself. I need to write it. It's yeah. so weird. Mm -hmm. It's so uh, visceral. I never have typed a screenplay like from scratch. It's, it's always on paper first and then I type it after it's on paper. I just can't, can't do it. It's, it's like a visceral. I could tell Siri to just add it, but I still want to go write it down. It's real weird. <laughs> and I like how you have these, you know, well, I, I've never understood really comedy. She, you know, I, I admire anyone who even attempts comedy. I haven't figured out what the heck funny is at all. I don't know why I laugh and when, but, you know, adventure movies, that would be something I'd be like, really you know it'd be weird though if i was headed into that would you be like the guy to be using guys on with parachutes and stuff or more like a cgi sort of adventure movie where you're pushing the edges of the imagination where you can't film it or i'd have like to say i'd probably be the first more the, the 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 person that wants the choreography like to me like if you ask oh tom best action movies i'd be like the raid and the raid redemption like that's what i i'd go for more than like Avatar, like, you know what I mean? Like I like choreography. I like awesome, you know, just insane fight scenes and stuff like that, like the killer. I think you like going, we really actually did that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you with our camera. Oh yeah, you watched like Hard Boiled or The Killer and it's like, those were, they were, there was no fake glass. They were legit throwing people through glass in that movie. And it's like, that's crazy. I mean, you're a, mm. you're probably a lot of fun to make movies with. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I can see you pushing the envelope here and there. <laughs> Yeah, really having a great time overall. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. No, that that's uh, fine. Yeah. How Are do you think the film industry has strange has oh, changed sorry. since you started? Oh yeah, there. That's a bigger thing. I mean, the key is nobody's buying DVDs obviously anymore, and that's a huge no. problem because that was a, an actual physical product that you could pack and ship. So you used to be able to make more off of less. You know, it's like if you made two movies back in like 2000 like you were doing you were like you know mid six figure guy you know what i mean like and now it's like that was you know you know because the an indie film was made for 2 or 3 million dollars right and so now an indie film um is made for 250,000 or 500,000 you know it's like so it's you know it, it the, the salaries aren't what they used to be so that's why you have to have your hand in more projects and be doing more things um you know it's tough i was just talking to a producer friend of mine who had slave to kind of sell this movie to netflix and he had other partners and he and he slaved for like three years to do it he, he made fifty thousand dollars and it was like 50 imagine if that was his only thing for three years 
like the McDonald's employee is is doing 10x better than you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like so uh you know, you really have to have a passion for it. I wish there was it was back in those days and I know I have friends that made the the C-list Christian Slater movies, you know, and they'd, they'd make them for this is back in like 90s and they'd make them for 3 million and they'd sell them for 7, you know, and they made 100 million dollars doing that. You can't do that these days. You know, those people are wow. idiots and they they can make money and it's like you can't do it these days. So, you know. Wow. So. That's huge what you just said right there. No one really realized that, I don't think. You know, no. it's really just, and there's so much media now. Oh, that's it. I mean, the, the technology has allowed for like a floodgate of shit almost. You know what I mean? And it, it's, it also has allowed for some successes, but it also, like when I started, you you had to get a, a 60 millimeter camera minimum you know or if you had the 35 you had to have a whole crew of people around a 35 millimeter film and everything and so that was almost like a gateway uh but now you can get the same quality at best buy you know what i mean and then you buy a camera for four grand it's like yeah you're gonna get that look so that allows people to to do things like this and david josh lawrence who works for me as my head of acquisitions where he just said a phrase um uh to me that he said um what did he call it quality blindness and i'm like god it's so true like and, and so it was like these people like we get trailers submitted that like we'll be like oh no like this is so bad like they can't <laughs> see that like they can't see and yeah. i don't know what it is i don't know how to find it you know it's like when i see a movie poster um that somebody's designed on their microsoft word or something like that and you, you've seen them and they look like horrible and it's yeah. like you go you you can't see this like they can't you know they didn't look and compare it to another movie poster and you know i don't know i don't know where that quality blindness ends for some people i don't know or begins i suppose <laughs> well at least there's still that you can't just you know the raw talent prevails and yeah. uh, hopefully it it always does yeah i mean you, you well you you have so many talents at ballroom dancing right jeez oh, yeah geez. please yeah. do tell oh well i just got into that and in you know around the uh in 2000 or so and uh did it for a while and just enjoyed it it was like you know the key was i it was a way it, it, i would, it would you met girls so easily there <laughs> you know yeah, i joked it up. yeah yeah i used to yeah. you know i did jiu-jitsu for a long time and that's yeah. probably see that too uh still do it on and off it's just i'm older now and i get hurt a lot but you know i uh i remember going with my buddy jason chambers who was the he used to be the host of human weapon on the history channel and we went to like a strike force event amazing seats like sat right up front i remember bill goldberg was like three seats behind us it was like wow. you know like that's how good our seats were and uh and nick it would nick diaz main event and i said to him afterwards i'm like dude you know here's the only thing about this great to see it i'm like but there's like two thousand guys here and there's like 200 women and like the 200 women are dating the you know the guys and I'm like, you go to a dance event, there's like 2,000 girls. I go, there's about 1,000 guys and 900 are gay. So like, where do you think the better odds are of like meeting women that are beautiful? I'm like, you think maybe you would want to go. And so I talked to him. Hard. This thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, better better odds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is excellent. Uh, that's another thing. Uh, I would love to learn how to dance, but I would have to just be like start at zero, like less than zero. I was just, you know, I would have to be trained so highly. If you've done anything, it's just muscle memory. If you've done anything else like uh, skateboarding or surfing or martial arts, that's, I tell them, you can do it because it's just mm. memorizing movements and just memorizing movements, memorizing, and then sooner or later it just clicks. And then it's like, oh, I look good out there. You know what I mean? And some girls yeah. like it or some guys like, you know, dude, you're awesome. And that's it. So, yeah. I've done performing, but I've always admired that, man. I, I, uh, that'd be cool. Even ballroom dancing, you know, I think that's really cool, too. Something that'll never die, too. Like, certain kinds of things, you know, like that and swing we've been talking about. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I took yeah, my love of West Coast Swing. Yeah. Well, I took my love of West Coast Swing, and I did Love and Dancing first. That was the yeah. one with Amy Smart, oh. Billy Zane, and myself, and directed by Rob Iscove, who did She's All That. And then, uh, wow. but you know, ultimately that was his movie, not mine, even though I'd come up with the idea, like, you know, he was the director. And so when I made Ask Me to Dance, the first movie I directed was a dance film, romantic comedy. And it was like, that was exactly my vision, the kind of movie I wanted to make. And it was fun. It was I mean, super fun. We were getting some great reviews here and there. Uh, and, you know, I think 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, which that movie was kind of like my pretty woman 
And I think Pretty Woman's only like 60-something on Rotten Tomatoes, which I'm like, yes. But it's also like my Love Actually. I love the movie Love Actually. Like I'm, I have a lot of movies where I had ideas that of movies that I loved, and then I did my version of them. Like I love mm. Silence of the Lambs, and Alphabet Killer was like my Silence of the Lambs, you know? So they, they, yeah. they try to make those your versions of each movie. So, you know, there it was. Well, this is a good way of uh, uh, heading into a project. Yeah, I kind of want to get that feeling, that feel or whatever, yeah. Well, yeah, whatever favorite movie you have, you go, all right, man, let me make my version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good way of looking at it. Well, so um, uh, I, I already kind of asked you what your upcoming projects are. I know you can't tell me too much. Um, we have some viewers and they are interested in these things. Where can they see you? Where can they see your stuff? What do you want to share? Oh, well, great. I mean, you you can always go, if you're a filmmaker that's watching, you can always go to uh, filmmakingstuff.com, which is a great, you know, the, again, we have the YouTube channel, and uh, but we have also the membership site, and it's it just, we give away so much information about movie making, so that's fun. But That's uh, a first, right, Mark? I mean, literally a school, online school about making movies. This is, yeah. that is trailblazing well, stuff, guys. Oh, it's all, yeah, I mean, like, the, the business plan that we that we give on the website but it's also called it's called movie plan pro is like the most popular one it's film business plan on the internet which is really cool because I, I created that business plan like 15 18 years ago and it's like wow. somebody will come pitch me a project and as i'm flipping through it i'm like is this movie plan pro and i'm like yes like it's just so awesome. fun to see that so uh, that's cool but you know if you want i mean my the, you mentioned ask me to dance so that's the movie i'll put out there as please go check it out. And uh, it's really fun and sweet. And we just tried to make a lot of people laugh. And they, there's people that tell me it's just super laugh out loud funny. And one uh, reviewer, it's funny, I mentioned movies that I like. One one reviewer said the funniest and sweetest movie since Love Actually, which I'm like, yes, like that's exactly- I teach ballroom dancing. I don't anymore, but I still love to go out dancing. I have borderline personality disorder. I'm also bipolar. <laughs> you like to dance? No. How long you been dancing? My whole life. It shows. Thank you. You don't think I'm too old for you? Nope. You're just my type. So we gonna close this tonight, or? Hi. I was hoping to meet the guy that danced earlier. He was amazing. You literally just missed him. The year almost ends. It went so fast. You're going to meet the love of your life. I am? Yes. By midnight on New Year's Eve. Is that so? Did you have fun last night? I met this old woman who told me that I was going to meet the love of my life before the end of the year. Four days left after tonight. The exact day of your wedding and the last night of the year. Some old lady said this? Yes. It's so random. Well, I went through a divorce and only now am I ready to start dating again. I am finally putting you on a dating app. No. Oh. I just want somebody to dance with. No complications, no commitments. And you need to meet my friend Jill. She's going through the same thing. She'll be at the wedding. Yeah, she's the maid of honor. I've been dying to see this movie. So sex after this, right? I want to meet the love of my life, and this week has assured me that that is never going to happen. I mean, I did stab my last boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I give up. You gotta settle. I am not going to settle. Hey, listen, I have a girl here that wants to meet you. Look, Jack, say the girl that saw you dance that night is your soulmate. That would mean you're destined to bump into her again. Actually, which I'm like, yes, like that's exactly what was in my head. And that was such a cool feeling. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like my dad that made that review. <laughs> yeah. Classic. <laughs> Well, I, I love your energy, man. You just so got I. such a powerful outlook on everything uh, of confidence and, and <clears throat> just joy. Thanks. You know, you have just a, a, a beautiful, positive outlook on everything. And you're, you know, you just uh, keep trying kind of a guy and don't get discouraged and everybody's going to trip and fall. And, you know, I, I, I see the humbleness of you, too. That really that really makes you, you know, really, really cool guy in my mind. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, you know, it's like the key is I think you got to just learn to love your grind, you know, and, and if it's, I mean, obviously it's easier if you're making money, but it's like, you know, the key is if you love that enough, it's, it's not really working. Like I can't, the one thing I don't do that people know, it's like, I don't take a vacation. Like I can't imagine just like, Oh, it's going to someplace. Like, unless there was an idea of like, we might shoot a movie here or something like there has to be an answer, right? Like I'm not going anywhere. I refuse. Like there, you know, people, Oh man, I'm in, Columbia come down and visit and I'm thinking well if you were a financier I would but like I just oh. never never just do it I, I that to me would just stress me out because it's like I love working and love doing all this stuff and um you know it's I saw a fun meme that was like 
if you if you're ha- if you think you're depressed and you're happier when you go on vacation, you're not depressed. You just have a shitty life. And it's so true. So true. And it, yeah. yeah. And it's like, so you just need to do something. You know, the key is do something about it. You know, start working with what you enjoy doing. Hopefully, it'll be the things will get better. So. <laughs> and guys, if you want to do something about it, especially if it's movie making, Tom knows what to do. He's going to show you how to do it. Look at his program. Look at his stuff. This guy's obviously knows exactly what's going on and how to do it. Oh, so yeah. everybody, we're going to have all his links down below for you. Tom, whatever you want to share, share with us. We're going to give it out to everybody. And uh, you know, it's just been a real treat tonight talking. Really to you. has. I really, really appreciate oh, your geez. time. Fantastic. And like I said, if there's other people that uh, in my circle like it, sure, sure, let me know. I'll pass it on. And I'm sure. Yeah, no, we would love to have him on. I've actually reached out to his contacts on IMDb Pro a couple of times, but nothing. Yeah, I'll text him. You know, just I'll tell him it's a good one or send him a forward an email or something. So, yeah. And like I said to Kathy, I don't know if you I'm in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, used to be a filming hotspot. But uh, if you ever want to film down here, you know. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I have two friends down there, but one of them is my buddy that I just saw, Paolo Benedetti. Um, he was he was like an actor on Guiding Light for years, and he's trying to produce some stuff. And me, him, and uh, well, well, I guess I could say his name, Bob Orsi, who is the producer of all the Star producer and writer of all the Star Trek movies, went to dinner on Saturday, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was awesome. That was very cool, very nice guy. Oh, and uh, I'd be all starstruck around that person. <laughs> yeah, he was a cool dude, and. Uh, Paul and him been friends for a long time, but Paul has always tell me come to North Carolina and do something. And I think he's in, um, I think he's in Winston Salem. I think. Yeah, they are building a new, uh, yeah, someplace Greensboro, one of those, a yeah. new studio. Not, not Bob. I mean Paolo. You know, I and mean, he's mm. though he was a soap actor for years. I don't think he's doing as much acting. I mean, he's always trying to get projects going, but I think he's selling real estate and stuff like that. So, ah. Yeah. Well, it's got like a big filming community, so yeah. And I mean, in Asheville is really cool city. I had a friend down there, and uh, yeah, there's really, a lot in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, it's super cool. So well, that's awesome. awesome. Well, I feel like we make a friend today. We made a friend. I I feel like, and uh, you know, so I want you to know we're always going to be here in case you want to promote something or talk about something. We always got an hour for you, bro. So you should come on back. Yeah. You know. Whatever you want, and uh, and we'll talk. You know, I just like talking to you. You're just one of those people I can just talk to all night. Yeah, same here. Thanks, guys. Oh, appreciate it. All right, well, we'll talk to you soon, bro. Thanks thanks again for coming on. Awesome. Take care. Take care. care. All right.